The sole purpose of the podcast is entertainment. The opinions and the views expressed on the show are not based on any fucking facts. No parties are liable, and all comments are made in parody. If you're offended, go punch yourself. Not really. Don't do that thing. Don't harm yourself in any way, and don't do any of the shit that we're talking about. Enjoy the show! By the phone real is part of the room. How you doing? You are tuned in to the realest chance. How you doing? You doing? Once a champ, always a champ, forever champion. You are listening to the realest champion. Rolling. Anybody who tells you that Ric Flair chops don't hurt, aren't real, or wrestling is fake is a born liar. Born liar. Did y'all see that chop? My man licked his hand before he did it. Swirled his shit and fucking bro, rhythm. Brother had rhythm when he was dropping that fucking bow on homie. That was a beautiful chop um, and gives you know, credence to the world that I live in of pro wrestling. When somebody tells you that Ric Flair chops are stupid or they don't work or they don't hurt, just pull that little video up for me, all right? I don't know how, how the fuck we found it on YouTube. It was like trending or something, whatever. It's, it's, a, it's a viral video. These things can be seen, okay? Have you ever seen uh, the one, one guy in MMA also, he hit a back elbow like Jericho's finishing wrestling move and another guy beat a guy with a fucking sharpshooter in MMA. Put on the fucking sharpshooter like he was Bret Hart and leaned back on it. No, no, no. Actually, maybe it wasn't a sharpshooter, although it's probably been done as well. It was the walls of Jericho, which is like a camel like lean back on a motherfucker. Bro, Chris Jericho's finishes across the board have been used in MMA fights. So shout out Chris for that. My finish is called Eat the Feet, as you can see me doing this thing here. This is the vibrating sting. I, oh, no, it's not the vibrating sting. They made toys that vibrated back in the day. You held down a button on the side and they just vibrated for no good reason other than for you know all the uh, mouth breathing women in the south that were probably jamming themselves up with sting but i don't understand why we made vibrating wrestling toys either way this is my finishing move okay it's called eat the feet uh there was a there was a girl named gail kim who was doing it and then before i started doing it xavier woods was a pro wrestler in the wwe who was using it he changed his finishing move, and I walked up to Xavier Woods, and I asked him if I could use that move, and he laughed at me and was like, bro, you don't have to ask me permission, bro. Go fucking use it. So when you come up with a finishing move uh, in pro wrestling, you know, in video games, it's your, it's your most powerful thing that you do as a, as a, as a CPU, as a, as, a, as a player in a game, as, uh, as somebody who's using this finishing move, right? There's rules of thumb in pro wrestling to hitting a finishing move. For one, I'll give you examples. Jackknife powerbomb by Diesel, okay? Kevin Nash, you guys know that move. 
you got to be able to pick the motherfucker up. So you got to be able to hit that on anyone. So if this is your finishing move, you better be able to hit it on anyone. To take it to another level, imagine being able to hit it out of nowhere at any moment in a match because you can hit it on anyone and it kind of can come in transitions and, and sequences that are uh, you know unexpected or you could come up with different ways to do the move, whether it be off the top rope or you know off the ropes. and It's just creative, right? It's an art, pro wrestling, and you paint your canvas. These guys like... Diamond Dallas Page, Stone Cold Steve Austin, they could hit their fucking finish on anyone. Hulk Hogan, leg drop, can hit his finish on anyone. You got to be laying on the ground. Hulk Hogan can hit that shit. Remember, Ultimate Warrior had the press slam, run over you, and jump on top of you. Ultimate Warrior had to be able to press anyone over his head that he beat with his finishing move. So when I had my opportunity for one, I'll, I'll get, I'll, I'll backtrack. I'll go to NXT and pro wrestling. When I was getting my finishing move for one, I never won a fucking match. I never even had a match until I got on NXT TV. I debuted that day and then the shit took off and I was booked every weekend thereafter, but I had never had a match and I walk in the ring and uh, John Cena sees me when I debut in NXT. He's backstage. All the boys, they stand up and they start clapping because this is my first match. And it's kind of like, hey, if this is your first match, everybody kind of stands up and claps for you. Well, in that moment, John Cena was backstage. He saw all the boys stand up and clap, and he wanted to know why they clap. And he looked to a wrestler named Tyler Breeze, and he was like, why is everybody clapping? Tyler Breeze put me over. Shout out Tyler Breeze. He went... Oh, this guy does the best promos, he and Big Cass. At the time, me and Big Cass were just doing promos, but we never had a match together, and we were never a tag team, and they had other plans for him, and they didn't want me to be a part of him. Okay, well, I told John Cena I had a tag team partner when he came up to me. So I go out there, I cut my promo, John Cena comes up to me, I tell him, that's my tag team partner, can he come with me when I go out to talk on the microphone with you? And because Damian Sandow, the intellectual savior of the masses, was our opponent in the ring with John Cena on the microphone, he's supposed to be so smart, I said, there's exactly, you know, hey, Damian Sandow, you're so smart, how many dimples are in a golf ball? Okay, you don't know? Well, there's 168 dimples in a golf ball, and there's exactly zero dimples in my hind end. You wanna know why? Because I'm hard body, you know what you are? You're S-A-W-F-D, shift. So John Cena heard that, and he was like, what did you say? So, so, boom, rocket shoved right up my ass. Fans loved it. They started saying soft all the time, and nobody had a choice but to put Enzo and Cass on the show so they could at least go out and do the YMCA with the fans. S-A-W-F-T, same shit, right? Just emceeing. And so now me and Big Cass are in NXT, and one day... Triple H comes up to us, and we're in the ring hanging out before the show, and he goes, what's your finish? I'm like, fuck, what? Are we implying what? That we're winning tonight? Uh, what's our finishing move? I was like, fuck, we don't have one. We never had a match together. The coach at the time was a guy named Bill DeMott, and... I, Say what you will about Bill. I don't have a bad thing to say about him. I know a lot of people say things about Bill, but fuck, Bill was hard on people, bro. 
And if you want to make it, life is never easy. I don't give a fuck what anybody says. You want it to be easy? Don't go to the WWE and and sign up for a wrestling uh, school when you never wrestled before in your life. They're not supposed to take it easy on a guy like me. I just walked through the fucking door here. I never wrestled in my life. So I, shit, whatever. Bottom line is, Bill never gave me a match. So I was very unprepared when I was at NXT TV. And all of a sudden, now I'm thrown into the fire and I'm having matches on on TV or tapings. So Triple H is like, what's your finisher? And me and Big Cass are like, dude, what? So I was never allowed in wrestling training to go on the top rope and jump off. If I was going on the top rope, I was just up there to do squats, like a hundred of them, okay? But I was never allowed to jump off the top rope. So Triple H looks at us in the ring and he's like, can you jump off the top rope? And obviously I was like, oh, fuck yeah. <laughs> never jumped off the top rope in my life. And he goes, all right, we're going to do the rocket launcher. And I was like, bro, I don't even be honest with you. Like, I know the Rock and Roll Express and uh, they, they didn't use it as their finishing move. I think they kind of used double drop kicks. But Rock and Roll Express had jumped off the top rope with the other guy. It, and, and the Midnight Express, more known to the public, you know, Bobby, uh, he, um, uh, what's his name? Oh, he just passed away, man. He's unbelievable. Uh, I have no idea. <laughs> Obviously, you guys don't know. Um, but yeah, so you, so you had Stan Lane and and Bobby Eaton. They were the Midnight Express, and they were managed by Jim Cornette. And Bobby Eaton used to jump off the top rope or stand in, and so one of them stood under the other. And, you know, it, it looks like one of the guys is throwing you off the top rope. You know what I'm saying? And big cast being seven foot tall, I guess it was a visual that they thought would look good is he stands in front of me, and I jump off the top of the rope, and, and it's like he throws me, right? So, they, so then right then and there on the spot before an NXT tape, and they tell us we're going over, we're going to win a match, and you guys have to come up with a finishing move. And I've never done anything to beat anyone. I mean, I've never even had a fucking match, let alone win. So they asked me to jump off the top rope. I got to do it live right then and there. You know, I'm like, fuck yeah. So I get on the top rope, and I do it. And I mean, the shit probably wasn't pretty. I got to be honest with you. It was probably <laughs> ugly as fuck, but... They kind of looked at each other and nod like, yeah, whatever, good enough. <laughs> and so me and Cass go out there and have this match, and it is the ugliest rocket launcher of all time. And the four or five, I think, that I hit in the beginning, well, sometimes I did like a frog splash for no good reason. Other times Cass didn't even touch me, so it kind of looked stupid. So then me and Cass kind of came up with a deal. We were like, all right, fuck this, bro. It doesn't look like you're throwing me because clearly I'm jumping. So how about you slam me? like an alley-oop. I jump off, and when I jump at the same time, you kind of put your hands on the top of my back and slam me down on top of the guy. So we called it the bada-boom shakalaka. Remember from, you know, NBA Jam, when you throw an alley-oop, they'd be like, bada-boom shakalaka. So me and Cass would do that, but I don't even think our name of our finishing move got over. I'll tell you what did get over, though. Backstage, what the finishing move was called Coined by Triple H himself was the turd launcher. Me being the turd and Cass being the launcher. Uh, we, it, it's, can be like, nah, anytime we won backstage, Triple H would be like, turd launcher. 
All right. So, but hey, man, I don't I give a fuck, dude. Triple H wants to call it the turd launcher. You can call it the turd launcher, dog. I'll take, I'll take that shit all day. So anyway, uh, that was how we got our finishing move in in tag team wrestling. Okay. Now I just, I just I'm a, showed it to everybody. What do you mean? I beat the shit out of everybody in NXT. Every single one of those motherfuckers laid down for that damn turd launcher, boy. <laughs> but never on TV. Only at the live events where we had to send the people home happy. See, every people don't know in pro wrestling, you only get to watch us on TV one day a week, two days a week. But we wrestle the other four or five days. So Enzo and Cass open the show. Typically in a wrestling card, you got eight matches on a card, okay? You got your main event, which is usually your title match, okay? You got your semi-main event, which is usually the women's title match. Then you got your tag team title match, right? You got your intercontinental title match. That's four title matches right there. You've got your women's now tag team titles they created. That's five matches on the card. There's three, three more matches left. Then you got your U.S. title match. Shit, that's a say. Every match on the fucking card these days is a is a is a title match, right? Six matches down. Okay, now you've got to have your opener, which doesn't need to be a title match. Okay, and you've got your hodgepodge of 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 hodgepodge on the card because I just listed all those matches, right? One of those matches on that card at the live events has to be like a battle royal with like 20 guys in it or like four on four, eight people in a tag team match. One, because you give people entrances, which is what people really love. Obviously, I don't have a career if it's not for my fucking entrance, right? So you get an, a battle royal. What are people really seeing? They're just seeing one after another guys come into the ring and everybody's waiting to see who's next and everybody that's in the crowd is excited and entertained by the entrances that are so grandiose and the different sizes of people and the circus that you're about to watch, right? That is its own thing on the card. It's entertainment value, but more importantly than anything, we got people traveling from all over the country to be on this fucking thing. Right, So if you're fucking wrestling and you're on this fucking show, you might be coming in from Florida, from fucking America's basement, from Texas. You might be coming in from New Jersey, from New York City. You know, a lot of wrestlers live in Florida, Texas, non-tax, you know, evasive, the tax evasive states. Uh, I was the only one who lived in Delaware. That was a smart move by me. Opened up an S-Corp, an LLC. Fuck you, pay me. No. Actually, don't pay me. Pay my company, okay? I'll pay myself. Thank you. So, um, are we listening to a toilet flush? Sounds like a toilet. Sounds like a turd. What Put is it? A, a turd dick? Yeah, turd launcher, dude. <laughs> Send that. <laughs> Send it. So, <laughs> ah, man. Um, so, when you're traveling from all over the country and you got the card and there's eight matches on it, one of those matches has a lot of people in it because somebody might miss travel. That Imagine you have Brock Lesnar versus Roman Reigns in your main event. And there's a thunderstorm in fucking Florida and Roman can't get to the show. Well, you better have a match on the show that you could pull a person out of, like a battle royal. If a battle royal has... 15, 20 people, you can take somebody out of that and insert them onto the card. If somebody gets hurt, you could also do that as well. So they have one of those matches. Now that leaves one match on the card, the opener. 
Now, so if you don't have a title you're or fighting for a title, you're not in a match, right? And if you're in the eight-man tag or if you're in the big battle royal, you're not going to get paid as much money as you would if you had a one-on-one match or a one-on-one title match or further up the card, like the main event. He's going to get paid the most money. Okay, well, the opener is typically someone who is a star that does not need a title for you to watch them. The opener is usually someone who gets the crowd lit up when they hear their music, they come out first, and everybody's fired up. You're not going to send the bad guy out to open the show. Boo. No, the crowd's already excited. Whoever gets this first entrance is going to get the fucking people rocking no matter who they are. You understand? Anybody walks through that curtain could be the fucking referee. Everybody's like, yeah, holy shit. So when you fucking put Enzo and Cass in the opener, everyone immediately gets to participate. My name is, and they come with it all the way. We were the perfect opening act. And therefore, Enzo and Cass had a spot on the card, which is the hardest card to get a spot on in the fucking world. And so when I'm in NXT from 2013, I'm pretty much opening every NXT show until 2016, 17. And then I debut on the main roster in 2016. And now me and Cass are opening up every fucking show on the road in the WWE, that's the biggest spot on the card outside of the main event. You either want to be in the main event or in the opener, okay? That's it. And the opener also has the easiest job of the night because we got to set up the wrestling card. So imagine you're watching a match in the opener and we do a power bomb and jump over the top ropes and then we do some crazy shit and then we go back in the ring and then you kick out and then you kick out again and then you kick out again. Well, what the fuck's going to happen in the main event? Did you leave anything for everybody else to do on the show? Because if you do it all in the opener, now everybody's seen it already. It doesn't make sense later on. So I'll give you an example. If I'm in the opening match, right, and I hit you with a super kick, okay, Ralphie? And I beat you like water. One, two, three. You look it up at the lights. I hit you with a super kick, okay? Now let's say in the second, third, fourth, fifth match, somebody else hits a super kick. And then they pin the guy, right? And he kicks out. We already built it in for you earlier in the night that the super kick wins a match. That super kick is is inevitably going to be one, two, three. But when the guy kicks out of it, we set it up for you earlier in the night. You get it? But imagine it worked backwards. Now imagine in the first match, I hit you with a super kick. One, two, and you kick out. Fuck, okay. Now in the third match, a guy gets hit with a super kick and he goes for a cover and they get one, two, three and they win the match with the super kick. The same move that was used in the first match that didn't work just worked in the third match. We didn't do you any fucking favors. You know what I'm saying? Setting your shit up. So when you're putting together a wrestling card, everybody sits around the ring usually before the match, especially in the NXT days. And... Everybody kind of says, hey, if you could do me a favor, stay away from 
you know, the top buckle. We're going to be doing a DDT in the middle of the ring. So you don't want to do a DDT in your match, and you don't want to do something on the top buckle for, you know, whatever it is. So you just kind of put some things out there so that you the people that are the paying spectators that are paying to watch a show don't see the same shit over and over again. And also, it helps everybody else when you're setting up the card. Okay. Well, I'm on the card, and I'm in the opener. In the opener, we're setting up the show. We need the crowd hot. So nobody's kicking out. It's going to go straight through. The first time that Enzo covers the guy, one, two, three, the match is over. The first time Cass throws me off the top rope and we hit the turd launcher, the match is over. That's it. Why? Because later on in the night, they'll get more kickouts and they'll get more shit out of the match. And if we just blow it all for you, we don't leave anything else on the card. So Enzo and Cass could go out and get hammered drunk until 2 or 3 o'clock in the fucking morning. All right? <laughs> go to every bar, get all the free drinks, meet all the ladies, get all the free food, shout out all the fans who love wrestling, all the people, all the businesses that opened up shop whenever we walked in. Like I've said in the past, you work your whole life to get free shit, and they don't give it to you until you're rich and famous. You know, you, you're fucking broke. Ain't nobody giving you a beer. You walk in and you could buy the whole bar, but everybody gives it to you for free. Me and Cass were on top of the world, and we had the easiest job in wrestling. <laughs> I came out with the mic. Bada boom. How you doing? You shift. Fucking hit me from behind. Bang. <laughs> now we're in the heat already. I don't even do a drop kick. I don't even fucking hit a dive. I don't do shit, bro. I just get hit. I go down. And now you just want to see Big Cass in the ring. But what do we do to set up the tag team matches later on in the card? Now imagine the bell just went ding, ding, ding. I'm going to use a phone. This is the wrestling ring, okay? This is the wrestling ring. We got some wrestling we can get on me. Give you a little example. Give you a little example. He's fucking one guy. Fucking another guy. Get this fucking guy. Out of there. Out of there. All right, here's your tag team match. Now imagine this. This is simple. This is Enzo. This is me. I got the money belt on. These are the bad guys. Here's a tag team match. Now, Big Cass, we say, S-A-W-F-T soft. Big Cass gets out of the ring. He's not looking. He's fired up. He's looking at the crowd real quick. You know what I'm saying? He's got his back turned. And while he's got his back turned, these guys who were pretending to be in their corner, we just spelt it out for him. We can't get the crowd any higher than S-A-W-F-T soft. So what am I going to do to get him any higher than that? Fucking nothing. Not a drop kick. Not diving out the ring. Nothing. They're not going to get any higher. So the smartest thing for me and Cass to do, especially if we were out fucking partying all night, right, is to not do shit. So, hey, <laughs> ding, ding, ding. These guys smash me from behind, right? Where is the most dangerous place? Cass is trying to get in the ring right now. He's like, what the fuck? What did you do? And the referee is holding Cass back. No. And I'm just getting the shit beat out of me. Boom, boom, boom. Now you hate these guys because it's two people beating me up, not one, right? And where is the most dangerous place I can be in a tag team match? The furthest away from my tag team partner, right? In their corner. In their corner. And why is that the most dangerous place in the world in a wrestling match? 
Because when they tag in and out, they have five seconds to beat the shit out of me. Okay? When they tag, they got to get in and out of the ring. So in that five seconds, they can have legally, without the referee disqualifying them, he tags him, they can both beat the shit out of me for five seconds. And Cass can't do anything about it. But if we start the match off in this corner, ding, 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 I'm hit, I'm down, I'm in their corner, the most dangerous place I could be in a tag team match, there's only one place left for me to go. Go get the big guy. But what have you not seen yet? The big guy. The big guy hasn't gotten in yet. Normally in a tag team match, ding, 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 it starts. We wrestle and I go get the big guy and we do double team moves. Castle pick me up and drop me on somebody and shit like that. Double teams, right? Well, instead of, instead of doing that, we set up the rest of the card for the night because they haven't seen him get in yet. Big Cass, right? And when he does get in, when he finally gets in, when, let's just say, for one, here's how the match is going to go. Ding, ding, ding. I get glommed from behind. These guys are going to work with me, and he's going to stay in between him because, fuck, you don't want me to go make the tag. So we, get, we, we stay here. I'm going to work to here. I'm going to work to here. I'm going to work about a quarter of the way, and then I'm going to go back to their corner. I'm going to get about halfway across the ring, reaching for cast the whole time. They're going to put me back in their corner. Then something's going to happen where I'm so close to tagging Cass and we pull the carpet out from under your feet. And now we got to get that tag. How do we set up the rest of the card, though? Well, I'll tell you how. When Cass comes in, match is fucking over. These guys are getting their asses whipped. And then Cass is going to throw me on top. One, two, three. Bang. No kick out. And the tag team that just made the tag just dominated. Now, when you watch tag team matches the rest of the night, if somebody makes that tag, you're going to think that the match is over. You're going to think he's going to run straight through the other guys. So we set up any tag team matches that are on the card later on. And more importantly than anything, I have a real easy night in the office. All right? Real easy night in the office. And I'm the town. You know, and, and, it's, and it's crazy because I, I burnt the candle at both ends. I drank a lot when I was on the road, and I, you know, was just wrestling my ass off, getting my ass kicked every single night. And then when you get to TV, you know, that's when you really got to turn it the fuck on because you're on TV now. But these days, I'm not on TV. I'm doing a fucking podcast. Bada boom, realest champs in a room. I hope you enjoyed the little wrestling tidbit that I gave you here. I'm, go I'm going to get to this being my finish. Now, here's the climax of this dumbass wrestling uh, love fest that I'm having right here with my toys. I've never won matches with Big Cass on TV, really. We never really went over. We always won on live events to open up the show, keep the crowd hot, and, it, and people were happy. But by the time I become cruiserweight champion, I don't even think I had a finish, really, when, when, I, when I was with Cass. So if it was me one-on-one -on -one with somebody, I didn't have a finishing move. If you asked me what it was, it would have been my biggest move, which is a DDT off the top rope. I call it the DDG, but I personally think wrestlers are herbs who name their own moves. If it already had a name, just let it be whatever it's called. All right? You know what I'm saying? Like, Hulk Hogan didn't call his shit the Hulkster leg drop. It was a fucking leg drop. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, bro. Drop a bow off the top, macho man, bro. Um, 
Shawn Michaels had a super kick, right? It was called a super kick. He didn't he didn't invent the name of it, you know. Actually, it was it was sweet chin music, bro. I mean, and that shit sounds tight. So I had to come up with a name for mine, and I had to come up with a finishing move. Now, at this point in time, I am the Michael Jordan of jargon, and I have a major deal at this time with Champs Sports. And they're giving me all the sneakers to wear on TV every single week. And I'm debuting sneakers, all the re only retro Jordans. I wore two pairs of shoes ever that were not retro Jordans in the ring and wrestled. In the ring and wrestled. Three pairs. Three, maybe four. Okay, fuck. Four. Four. And my last match that I ever had in the WWE, which I, which I lost technically a DQ. Oh, no, a count out. I, I got counted out. I had the title, though. So I did not lose. I had the title when I left. I was wearing LeBrons. It's so crazy. Because I wore Jordans my whole career. And it turns out that my last match I ever had, I'm in a pair of LeBrons. All because of champs. Champs, you dirty dogs. They wanted me to wear these LeBrons. They were pushing them on me hard. And they knew full well I only wear retro Jordans. So... I put the LeBrons on for champs. Uh, still, you know, shout out to my man Jerry over at Champs. Still sending me heat. These are Lucas. I beat the shit out of him recently. Luka Doncic, fucking Luka. Didn't even make the fucking playoffs, bro. You can't send me a fucking sneaker of a guy who makes the playoffs at least. Does fucking the Joker have some shoes, dude? Send me some LeBrons, Jerry. What are we doing? Anyway, <laughs> um, so. I have a deal with Champ Sports, and I'm wearing these sneakers, and I'm thinking to myself, hmm, for one, maybe not the way that opponents want to get over or how they want to be remembered or how they want to be seen. I, I can't call it. I don't know. I laid down for so many people in my career, and I didn't care whether I win or lose, so like I never played politics, so that didn't matter to me. But my thinking when I had to come up with a finishing move for myself to win a match, when they came to me and they said, what's your finisher again? Five, six years later now that I'm not in a tag team, I chose Eat the Feet. Why? Well, I could show you why. I could send you some pictures and we'll pull those up. Champ Sports gives me a sneaker deal. That still image of my sneaker on a guy's face when I'm hitting him like this with eat the feet, you get a picture of my opponent's face holding the Jordan straight to his chin, right? That snapshot alone of my sneaker and my opponent's face will be put out on socials by champ sports, not just pro wrestling fans, okay? Me hitting my finish, putting my sneaker on your face is a still shot that I could put on all like eight by tens of opponents that I have, people that I could autograph that picture. And it's cool to see the sneaker I was wearing and I never wore the same sneaker twice in pro wrestling. You look back, never wore the same sneaker twice ever. Had so many sneaks. Shout out champs for making that possible. Little investment on my end at the start of this thing, but I fucking knew. Okay, look it. Star Wars is over. I'm Smack Talker Skywalker. I don't need to get it over. Jordans are already over. I don't need to get it over. I could just piggyback off things that people already like and commonalities that we share with one another. So the sneaker thing parlaying into my finishing move and then social media aspect and the marketeering of it all, 
That's why I chose what I chose as a finishing move because I can hit it on anyone. I don't have to pick anybody up. I can hit it out of nowhere. I can hit it like the stone cold stunner, kick you in the stomach, grab your fucking wrist and just put my foot on your face, fall on my back. Bang, bitch, that motherfucker is done, dog. Sting, I'm sorry, man. One, two, three, man. Still the fucking champ. You done. Um, so that's how we come up with finishing moves in wrestling. Usually somebody's got to ask you what your finisher is. You, you don't tell anybody what your finisher is, bro. I, like, like, I don't know. It sounds ridiculous. But, yeah, you, you get heat for shit like that in pro wrestling. So we're going to change topics a little bit right here. Uh, we're going to talk about some bars. Okay, I was just thinking of myself on the ride here, you know, I got so many bars, albums worth of bars, but yo, Eric or Ralphie, can you hand me my notebook? This is what we're going to bust into. It's down there on the right. These guys stand alone. Yo, y'all remember the Scorpion King? the movie yeah with the rock right with the fucking rock bro i fucked with it heavy that was his first yeah movie that's my book baby so this book was written fans gave me this art so this book was written between 2012 2011 really in 2016 and it's got material that i used while i was in the wwe but the crazy shit about it is you think that this thing is thick right now hold yourself boy all right this each column here, right here, is three pages. You see that? That's three pages. One of those columns. So it's three, six, nine, twelve. Twelve pages per page, all laminated in all the same way. Bro, what the fuck are we talking about? I'm talking about a Bible. If you wrestlers really want to be good at your craft, fucking become a writer, okay? You ain't nothing but a mushroom in Super Mario's world, okay? I'll leave you flat, all right? Eight cups. <laughs> Meet you maker, hey make a pancake, okay? Winners focus on winning. Losers focus on winners. You're as soft as fabric, and that's no fabrication. You talk hard body, you ain't built like that, okay? I'll make you piss your drawers, and I'll break your jaw, you don't, okay? My jaw is so strong, I could blow a bubble with an hour later. Okay, one, two, bang, and put a little Midas touch on that. You get tuned up, okay? I hate to be the one to uh, call you a horse crap, bull crap, but, you know, I whoop your hind end like a jockey, okay? Shoulda, woulda, coulda, ass motherfucker. Yeah, 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 you're big. I've been with women bigger than you. Fucking tough guy. You dumb little chicharoo. Yeah, call me when when that happens on the 35th of Neverwary, okay? I ain't trying to put on a technical spectacle, okay? I'm going to punch you in the mouth opinion, not reinvent the wheel. You don't, okay? Video game called Real Life, and I got the high score and kicking ass. If I ever lose my phone, take my notes and become a millionaire, all right, pal? I don't ever... Uh, I, don't, I, don't, I, don't, I don't cry over what happened to Kit in the garden. I prefer not to think before I speak. I like being just as surprised as everyone else what comes out of my mouth. I'd rather die on my feet than live on my knees. I got a dream that's worth more than my sleep, you swift. Okay. I'll tag your girl in a picture, bro. How you doing? I never had nothing stronger than pop. Then again, he drank everything, huh? <laughs> oh, my God. Walking out here feeling like a Greek god. I say things you slap on a T-shirt, okay? I was doing this before that I ever had anything. I wish I could run onto a beach into my own arms. 
okay? You're getting dissed, disfigured, and dismissed. I'm the Rocky of Vinaki. My vernacular is spectacular, okay? I got to push to start. Kid with a fucking motor mouth with a fucking hemi for a tongue. I bite my tongue when I'm chewing gum, and I'll bite my tongue when I'm chewing somebody out, okay? And I got the notorious secret weapon for a couple of you hairy French fairies, all right? I keep it 100 like a high fever. You're going to go eat your pie. I'm going to have my cake, and I'm going to eat it till you're getting battered, and nothing but fecal matter. You don't matter. You got a glass jaw. Watch your mouth. or watch it get shattered. You should have messed with the Mad Hatter, because you know I pull a rabbit out of a hat, and Cass is known to pop his trunk and pull out a fucking baseball bat. How you doing? Big Cass's name in it, bro. These are just highlighted bullshits. Hit you with the right hand, shabam. Shut up, uppercut. Crow hop and bop. Talk smack. Open palm slap. Hey, make a pancake. One hit a quitter. Spit the beat at you. you know, just bullshit, people. I'm from the school of hard knocks, and I did life in detention. Did it standing on my head, okay? Uh, I am... This is, this is just nuts, you know what I'm saying? Like, people... I'm just pulling bullshit out and, and just ripping it, but you should know... That look, this is thousands of pages of material, and it's all in my back pocket. I'm ready for your asses. You want to hear just a straight up promo? Should I just read through one of these fucking murderous promos that could just? So imagine these are for promo class, all right? But I had the balls to go print the shits out, and I don't know if anybody was working as hard as fucking Zoe, dude. This is fucking nuts. This is a movie. Well, here we go. Here's a fully. You guys want to hear a full fucking promo from Zoe that no one ever gets to hear? Because you got to remember, I am undefeated in these streets, Doug. And by streets, I mean the shit that you never got to see on TV was what we did backstage. And that was promo class in front of Triple H, Dusty Rhodes, Michael Cole, a lot of big wigs. And I do mean wigs. Half these fucking guys are bald wearing wigs, all right? It is what it is, and it ain't what it ain't. But one thing that I have is fucking great hair. Thank you very much. We made wigs out of it, sold a couple of them. So I'm just going to read a promo as if I'm Zoe. So you can get the gist of what I did every week. And my peers had to watch me do and know full well if they ever got a microphone on TV with me, what the fuck was going to happen. I'm going to eat your lunch, and I'm not going to let you breathe. I'm going to step on your fucking neck. I'm not going to help get you over. I'm going to get me over just a little bit more. But ding, 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 one, two, three, you're going to beat me. I don't give a fuck, okay? So this is what I do. Don't be good. Be great. It is the mere sound of my own very voice that has me convinced I will be great. And it is a very simple concept, okay? When making it is the song you sing in the shower, the tune you whistle before you work, the lullaby that puts you to sleep at night, you're no longer dreaming, you're living. When something becomes true to you, it becomes true to life. It's called Manifest Destiny. And since I've been in the WWE, I've been given two things, advice and opportunity. And I'm grateful for both. 
But nine times out of ten, when opportunity presents itself, I take the advice kindly and I tell it to kick rocks. And I do me. I believe in myself. I trust in myself. It's a belief. It's a mystique. It's something you can't teach. And I am keen to the understanding that every decision I make not only affects me, but my mother, my father, my sister, my brother who are depending on me to make it. And I will. That's because when I walk in a room, I walk in a room with confidence. And I walk out of the room with confidence. And I can walk it like I talk it blindfolded because I know who I am and I know where I am going. I came to the WWE for two reasons, to make money and chew bubblegum. I'm all out of bubblegum. So if you want some bubblegum, okay, you'll find some on the bottom of my fucking shoes. Come talk to me in a few years and I'll buy you 10 pairs of shoes, all right? While you sit there and you watch me and you wonder what I'm going to say next, just know this. There's three types of people in the world. People who make things happen. People who watch things happen and people who sit around and wonder, what the fuck just happened? How you doing? I'm what just happened. That's all this is. Okay? Thousands of pages of this. I am the best promo in the history of this business by far and away. And it's not a coincidence. We don't believe in coincidences. Oh, is that my horn? Burp, burp. Oh, sorry, I had to toot it, you fucking herbs. Here's the truth of the matter. You only get where you get when you get going where you want to go. You ain't going to get there by coincidence. Yeah! All right? You got to understand. If you're in a wrestling ring every day working on your craft, you might become AJ Styles. If you are in a wrestling ring every single day working on your craft, you might become Seth Rollins. You might, but even then, the odds are astronomical. And I don't give a fuck if you're King Jong-un, if you're fucking Elton John, okay, Rocket Man? The odds are astronomical. But when you aim for the stars, you might find yourself amongst the moon. And bada boom, I'm the realest guy on the moon. How did I get myself there? How? I outworked everyone in the history of ever and this is only fucking four years of work but these are just promos okay so when i get handed a microphone i'm ready when john cena's backstage the night i debut i had to write all of this bullshit to pull out that one five letter word that was going to change my life because when you write this much shit you will find those five letters and when the opportunity presents itself, that's preparation and hard work meeting opportunity. You're about to get lucky, motherfucker. I'm about as lucky as it gets because I worked so hard to get myself there. That's it. I don't care. I'm not pulling any punches. I'll, give, I'll put myself over. I'll say it. But all my peers know it. They were there. They saw me do this. So it's undeniable. And... You know, if we're going to just continue to tell... What are we going to call this episode? Just Enzo bragging about himself? I mean, that's fine. We could do that. But, uh, 10 pounds of shit in a five-pound bag. Uh, this is what I do, boy. You pick that bag up, it's going to fucking break hole right in the bottom of that bag, man. This is the turd launcher. <laughs> I'll put you in a hefty bag and beat the shit out of you. <laughs> Why? Just like, why? Why do I write shit like this down? This is fucking, it's, it's funny.
I don't know. I, I think it's funny. Imagine I just for no reason was like, hey, somewhere I'm going to I'm go down the store. I'm going to get some hefty bags. I'm going to come around. I'm going to put you in a hefty bag. I'm going to fucking tie the top. Fucking rabbit ears. I'm going to make a knot. And then when you're in the hefty bag, and you're squirming around, and you're fucking, the air is getting sucked in, and you can see the fucking outline of your mouth in the hefty bag as you breathe, breathing in and out, and all the air is getting sucked into your lungs from the hefty bag. That's when I come in, and I just start beating the shit out of you in the hefty bag. Do you believe that you can get paid for this? Talk ain't cheap, kids. Talk ain't cheap. Keep writing. And you just keep writing. And one day, one day, you might just fucking find some gold along the line that turns into a Snickers bar. They made a million of those motherfuckers. There's only one corporate sponsor of WrestleMania, okay? I'm sorry, I got ADD, a delicious dick. See, these are the things you can't say on TV. Sign me up for the program. You got little pencil eraser nipples. I know those. I don't need you to take your shirt off for me to know what they look like. I can tell by your skin tone. You got the halopecia. Okay, you got a little fucking a little rosacea on your cheeks. I know them fucking pencil racing nipples when I see them. What's a blowjob without the tits out, huh? Who wants that? Quick work, okay? Let me start breaking out my intelligenceness, okay? You know, shut the fuck up. I'll call your mom, bro. All right, I get a high hard one. All right, I'm taller laying down than I am standing up. Just thinking about it. All right, your future looks good. I'll be seeing you later. All right. Throw them back like bad fish. I, I see. This is this has a date, 2016, January 2012, January 16th, 2012. This is 11 years old. Okay, and I have in this thing just random words like banana hammocks, fool's gold, throw them back like bad fish. All right, you talk about you can't curse in pro wrestling, but you can be creative. I hit you in your truck and face, okay? Go punch yourself. Get it? You know? The butcher, the barber, the baker, and the candlestick maker. I'm, you know, I got three minutes. Don't pull on Superman's cape, okay? Superman hides under his cape when I come around. It's my rife, okay, Bon Jovi? This doesn't, this, I don't even know how you make this shit applicable, but the point is, in 2012, I wrote the word down. Throw them back like bad fish. This is 2023. I just dropped an album, okay? And in that album is a song called Bad Fish. And what do I say in the song? Throw them back like bad fish. So if you're right and you're right and you're right and you're right, you are going to be lights the fuck out when you get the mic. When you get that opportunity to change your life forever. If you're a young, aspiring pro wrestler, dude, just become a writer. First and foremost, go to college for it. That's what the fuck I did. I learned how to write. And once I started writing and writing promos, I never stopped. And now I write music and I do this. And now that I'm doing this, you know, I'm sure that all of this is going to come out. That's how it works. That's how it works. So I think this is a good little burner. This is a pro wrestling episode. I got to give it to you guys every once in a while. I got wrestling fans. That's how you fucking know me. And I got to say, the greatest, the greatest fans in the world are pro wrestling fans. And I got to say, the worst, the worst fans in the world are wrestling fans. We got them both. We got them both. We got the people 
that'll keep you up on your feet, buy the boat t-shirt, meet you over and over again. And then when you say to them, brother, keep your money. I just saw you last week. You want a picture with me for 30 bucks, dude, just keep it. And they go, no, no, no. And they hand you 40. They're like, no, no, thank you. No, thank you. It's like, all right, man, thank you. I'll take your 40 and we could do another picture, even though we just did one last week. But it means something to them, you know? And to give them that reprieve, I'll tell you what my favorite fans are in pro wrestling, and I get it all the time. I have a couple of them. Man, guys, man, if you're a young pro wrestler, I please beg you to start writing. Someone be better than me. Somebody do it. I've been waiting for fucking years. I've been out the game for five years. I step right back into it, and I'll rip it a new asshole. Guaranteed. If I wanted to show up on your TV, you're talking Zoe 2.0. I'm popping a 2.0 rating. I don't even know that AEW ever does a 2.0. I don't know what Raw does these days. I guarantee you SmackDown on fucking live broadcast all over the world, you could catch SmackDown with a fucking antenna. You know what I mean? You could have a tube TV in the fucking woods with an antenna and you're catching SmackDown on Fox 5. They're doing over a 2, okay? They're popping a 2 at least, maybe 3. Maybe fucking, bro, Roman's on the show. The guy's a star. Maybe, I don't know what their ratings are, but I know if you look at wrestling across the board, I don't give a fuck what promotion I show up on. You're talking Zoe 2.0. And not 2.0 like I changed, like I'm a different person. I'm still the same asshole. I've just grown up a little bit. You know what I'm saying? I don't drink no more. But I have to say, this is way more important than the wrestling moves. The character shit, so much more important. And as I was beginning to say, my favorite fans that I get to meet, I'll tell you who they are. There's a couple of them. I have this happen to me now all the time because I am older. Er. <laughs> People come up to me and kids will go, I used to watch you all the time back in the day. It's like, back in the day, huh? It's like, fuck, bro. Back in the day, you, you, th these kids that used to watch Enzo and Cass 2016 and 2017, that was a minute ago, bro. So the ones that used to come up to me, the ones that come up to me now, a lot of them lost their grandparents at this time, okay? And I get fans that come up to me in just this past weekend in St. Louis. It happened the week before that when I was in Philly, and it happened the week before that in New York. And I, I tear up. I'm an emotional guy, and I meet my fans. If you come to meet me, you're going to meet me. I am going to dap you up, hug you. If you, you know, you, maybe you're disabled and you got some boogers hanging out of your nose, and maybe I got to wipe that for you. Maybe I'll just grab my sleeve and wipe that booger off your nose and give you a big old fucking hug, you know? Maybe you smell like seven cans of shark shit, and I just fucking got to come over there and kiss you on the mouth. You know what I mean? Like, I get a lot of fans that have disabilities, that are disabled. I grew up with somebody in my family, in my life. My mother was her caretaker. My first tattoo, Bridgie, right here. Bridgie. My Aunt Bridget was a grown woman with the mind of maybe a six-year-old child. And she was my best friend when I was a kid. And then by the time I'm 10 or 12, I start looking at Bridgie, and I'm like, man, maybe Bridgie ain't growing up. You know what I mean? Like, 
oh, now I start to get it. By the time I'm 15, 16, I understand that I'm taking care of Bridgie. And what a crazy transition, because just five, six years ago, you were my best friend. We were playing toys in the pool and shit, okay? That'll change you if you grow up with that in your household. I grew up with that. My mom was a caretaker for a woman who had the brain of a five, six-year-old who went to church every day of the week, every day of the week, sat in the same pew. When she passed away, my Aunt Bridgie, they marked off that pew, and they put a plaque on it that says her name. So when I meet my fans, there's a certain type of fan that I love to look out for, and that's the ones that maybe, you know, uh, have that brain that my Aunt Bridgie had. And who has the real disability? Us or them? Because quite frankly, she was happy all day, every day. You couldn't, you couldn't ruin her day. She, this woman was the happiest thing that ever existed, and she was a lightning rod and a staple in my family who brought us so much joy, okay? Now, I have a couple type fans that when I meet, it is a, I, I will cry. There was a kid in Pittsburgh whose mom came up to me just recently. I was working in a show for Northeast Wrestling. I had a match against Juice Robinson, who's a AEW New Japan guy who I wrestled with in, uh, in, in NXT, and, I, and Juice was unbelievable. And he quit WWE like a G, walked out, said this ain't for me, and went on to wrestle in Japan. That's a guy who just loves wrestling, and I had a great match with him. But the day that I wrestled him, a mom came up to me with her son, and her son was losing it. I mean, he came up to me wearing a shirt, certified G, and just started doing my shit immediately. My name is Enzo Amore, and he's swelling his arms in the air, and I just jumped out from behind the booth, started hugging him and just loving on him, and his mom was breaking down. She was hysterical crying. And I looked at her, and I was like, like, you all right? What's going on? And she said to me, she goes, he never said a word until he started to say your entrance. It's like, what? She's like, this kid was a mute who never spoke his entire life. The first words that came out of his mouth were an animated Enzo Amore entrance in his living room. My name is Enzo Amore. And he went on to spell soft with us. And ever since then, he hasn't shut up. I literally have fans that I taught how to speak. I think about that. And holy shit. That's what I'm here for. That's my, that's my purpose. That's my meaning. So I say we have the best fans and we have the worst fans right? Because anybody who watches what it is that we do, look at this ridiculous outfit. Look at that hair. That's not real. That's a toy. And that's all I ever wanted to be was a toy that looked cool when you walked down the aisle and you would purchase that toy because you didn't know what wrestling was, but you knew what cool was, right? And that's cool. That's better than Spider-Man. I'm sorry. That's better than Spider-Man. That comes with a microphone and a gold chain with a cross on it. Which, by the way, I got to say, bro, they made it an upside-down cross. I swear. Zoom in on that. How fucked up is that? 
That's what they're doing to you. They don't even, you don't even know. You don't even know until that happens. They put the upside down cross. I'm taking this shit off my neck. I'm calling her for a recall. This thing ain't happening. Fuck you. I'll put that on fucking Sting's neck. Fucking Sting. Walk around looking like that, bro. Go ahead. I'm a God is good guy, all right? God is good, and he afforded me a great opportunity at life. And so when I say we have the best fans in the world, that would be one of them. And the other best fans in the world aren't the ones that I had to teach how to speak, but they're these people. This just came up to me in, um, in St. Louis this past weekend. A girl came up to me, and she said, I used to, which is how it starts. Sorry, I got a little emotional. Hold on. America. I love you. I wipe my tears with. Didn't mean to disrespect the flag like that, but here we are. It's a bandana, not a flag. <sighs> the other great fans that I have are the fans that come up to me and say, I used to say my entrance with my grandparents and sing it with you all the time. So, meaning, there's grandparents that are no longer with us that were highly entertained by me and Cass, and they did it with their children's children, their grandchildren. They sang in the living room. So imagine a 70, 80, 90-year-old human with their teenage kid grandchild, teenage grandchild, saying along with me, S-A-W-F-T, so up. And people come up to me like, oh, my grandpa used to love you. My grandma used to love you. And they're no longer here with us, right? I get it. I gave you guys a moment together that you could share with your grandparent. Best fans in the world. Now, why do I say we have the worst fans in the world in wrestling, too? Because it's the same people who are typing on the internet about what it is that I do, making fun of people, talking bad about wrestlers, saying they don't know what they're doing, the match sucked, this guy's an asshole, and they don't even know the person. Those people that are talking on the internet about all the rumors in wrestling who have never, ever in their life taught a child how to speak or had a grandparent rehearsing a promo with their grandchild. Why do I do what I do as a wrestler? It's for kids who buy fucking toys, not for people on the internet talking shit. You loser. But I digress. I don't have the time or the breath. So I never shit on those people. I never come at them. I, I did in one, I made Phoenix a rap song that addressed so many different things. And people really let the lyrics go over their fucking head. I got bars, people, Xanak bars, Rikers Island bars. We got bars for the days. Burrs, okay? Look at bars. And so... You know, you can't have, you, you can't be great if you ain't grateful. You can't have grace if you ain't gracious. Brace yourself or just embrace it. Pain is patience. Bite your tongue and taste it. Keep your heart and don't misplace it. You could sell your soul, but I bet they can't appraise it. I put the man in manifestation. I've been swimming with the sharks. I ain't taking no vacation. Stay in hot water, make me prune up like a raisin, but I'd rather look like Freddy than wear a mask like Jason. You heard 
All right, bars for days. This can go on forever. We're going to let you walk away. I hope you walk away a little better today than you were earlier today. I hope after this, you're a better person. I hope you exist in a place of happiness. Hap, happy health. Health, happiness. Those two things that matter. How you doing? Got my balls in my butt. I don't break to nobody. Nobody. I don't break to nobody. Bada boom, realest podcast in a room. How you doing? Hey, thank you guys for tuning in. Thanks for being a real one. Like, share, subscribe. Let everybody know where to find us. Follow us at The Realest Champs on Instagram and Twitter. How you doing?